Thanks for joining us online. Destiny Online Family, Destiny Table New York, Destiny Table Tulsa. Uh, really appreciate just the relationship connection that exists as we break bread in the Word together. God bless you. have a little just a brief family conversation as we get started and we'll get right to the Word of God but I want to make sure <clears throat> I have everybody's attention uh, we want to pause for a moment and pray over the spiritual climate, the emotional atmosphere, uh, all that's taken place in our local community over the course of this past weekend. And um, I'm sure you're quite aware of everything that took place in the uh, football game Friday night, the shooting that, that happened. Um, that sort of scenario produces a, um, a very natural, traumatic reaction uh, and what we want to do is take every thought captive give all of our focus and attention to the Lord Jesus Christ who guards our hearts and minds with his perfect peace as we continue to look to him families in our church that were there in that scenario contending with what that means um, and so just let's just join together for just a moment Lord, your word says there is a shalom, powerful peace that comes with eternal origin in our temporal world. That means the magnitude of that peace exceeds any capacity this temporal world could ever have to try to contain it. I pray that overwhelming eternal peace of God would truly be awakened within our community. Uh, Lord, we grieve with the family who suffered a loss of life. We grieve over the circumstance and situation. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to hurt with those who are hurting. I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to be the loving family of God in the midst of these types of scenarios that you've called us to be we carry something to release to the atmosphere of this land and so we do exactly that right now as we just declare waves of grief will be met with greater waves of grace in Jesus mighty name I just declare it again waves of grief will be met with even greater waves of grace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. All the people said, Amen. Amen. encourage you just to reach out to those that you know may be uh, navigating through the deep emotion of all of that and just be um, a loving encouragement, a friend uh, during a time like this. I also just want to say we are a church that believes in action and faith without works is dead and so what uh, you know I, I really value you may not realize 
Pastor Chris is not just the student pastor uh, for our church, but he's also really a community pastor. He's incredibly involved with Tinker Air Force Base, with um, businesses in the, in the community. And immediately when all this unfolded, he reached out and said, hey, is there anything we can do as a family, uh, a church family, offer pastoral support? You know, there's going to be grief counseling and so forth going on. Um, the response came back and said, there is something you could do if your church could provide a lunch in this scenario that's going on. It would actually be 95 people. So we're responding to that and we're going to step into that. How many of you agree it's a good thing to pray for people? It's also a good thing to do something physically to make a difference. Um, and so that's exactly what we're going to do. We're looking into how to walk all that out. Um, not sure of the details yet. We're still interacting, but, but we're there, whatever it takes. And I wanted to just point that out to you to say, um, I actually had somebody reach out to me um, about a week and a half ago about a situation in our school district as well, and it all kind of correlates. Um, there, there are children that go to school who get free and reduced lunch, and we know this uh, firsthand as a church because during the summertime we do a summer lunch program, and families that normally get a free and reduced lunch uh, during the school year don't have lunch in the summertime and we provide meals uh, for those families and I want to say thank you for your generosity in making that happen uh, Crystal Gazaway spearheads all of that she and her whole team Gazaway we call them uh, but a lot of people generously donate to make that happen well then the school year starts and those families you know are back in the, the swing of that but you have other families and they may be just their cut of income is slightly above and and disqualifies them for free and reduced lunch. And the Middle School System has initiated, I guess, a policy. I don't know if it's been going on or it's new, but I'm suddenly hearing from a number of people. I've reached out to a number of teachers now to, over the last few days just to kind of get the picture. But if you show up and your account is delinquent, rather than getting a hot lunch with the rest of your friends, you're given, and I'm not trying to be uh, you know, mean or nasty. I understand policies and all that has to happen, but you're given a cold piece of cheese with two pieces of bread type of lunch and so then you feel you know as a kid you're there by your friends and everybody knows what's going on it can be very degrading I'm saying all that to say to you these are things that we need to help with there uh, there is the conclusion of last year's school year a ten thousand dollar balance in the Middale district uh, school-wide for these kids who left with a balance and came back and then that was what they came back to in the school year so uh, teachers are working to try and make all this, you know, happen. Um, and now they've reached out to churches in the community. What a beautiful reality of the family of God in the community that just comes together and gives to try and solve the $10,000 problem um, and, and help those situations. I know there are a lot of things that could go through your mind about all of this. But here's the bottom line. We as a church want to be a church that offers real hope and real help. Uh, this building used to be full of all kinds of food products, and, and I mean, it was absolutely full when we were the, uh, the warehouse for the city of Moore during the tornado relief efforts. We put millions of dollars of products through here into people's hands that had suffered tremendous loss. And I made a statement when we, uh, when we continued in our building process. I said, we will never become the church that's ever known as the church that used to help people. We're always going to be the church that steps up to help people no matter what. We're no longer a warehouse, but we are uh, God's house, and we're the family of God. 
So here's the thing. I know there's some people, you may just have the means to, you know, underwrite the whole scenario, everything I've told you about lunches and the lunch program we're going to do. And that's great if the Lord puts that in your heart to do it. But this is what I want to ask family-wide. As you give, when you bring your tithe and your offering before the Lord, will you just contribute a portion consistently to something called benevolence? And out of that, we are able to do all these things. Uh, I remember looking at different years and different times. I mean, sometimes it's been $25,000, $30,000 in the course of a year that we're doing, you know, trying to help. So this is how you give. I didn't ask to have this ready, but if you would pop that up. Um, that, that's how you give and just bring your offering, your tithe and your offering before the Lord, and there'll be more than enough. There always is, as the Lord has just been so faithful. But I would invite you, let's be faithful in helping in this need specifically, and let's all step up to the challenge. Amen. God is at work. So today, we're going to continue our church-wide Bible study in the book of Nehemiah. We ordered more of these books because we thought we didn't have enough, and now we have an abundance. Um, so there are some out there. If you didn't get the book of Nehemiah ESV, then feel free on your way out. You'll see them. Uh, pick those up. There are two kinds to choose from. Uh, we'd love for you to have one in your hand, and um, we got those for you. We just want to say, let's really grow in a greater understanding of the Word. And so today what we want to do is continue in Nehemiah chapter 3. Those of you that are reading, because I've been asking if you'll just read two chapters a day, then we will accomplish 14 chapters a week, which there are only 13 chapters in the book. So you're going to be reading the book every week over the course of all these 14 weeks because I did an introductory week. Um, so today, if you're reading, you know that you basically read chapter 3 and it looks a little bit like a Jewish phone book. It's a bunch of names. And um, I'm going to read those names to you very accurately today, not missing a single name in any way. But these are portions of Scripture that it's tempting to just bypass because maybe we feel like, you know, what's the use? Uh, many commentaries will bypass. But the, the thing that I'm encouraging everyone always to do is turn the page. And turn the page has taught me, because we start at the front at Genesis 1, write the day, and read, you know, a page a day, and then any other reading, and write a little prayer maybe, you know, Lord, open my heart to your love today. Your great-great-grandchildren one day read your prayers as they're looking through this journaling Bible that you've done. Uh, but because I do this turn the page and have done it now for years, what's happened is it's helped me learn to take the time with portions of Scripture that normally I wouldn't have ever given myself to read. But the Bible actually says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture. Everybody say all. That means all, every bit of it, front to back, Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture is profitable for instruction to help us know God and to help us fulfill our God-given destiny. So when we look at a chapter like this with a bunch of names, I want us to learn something from it as we walk this out. Ultimately, Nehemiah listed all these wonderful people who sacrificially went to work and gave to contribute toward the work of God in their generation that would not only impact their world, but impact generations to come. And so Nehemiah specifically names all these people, all their families, all their teams, and all their contributions. And so here we are, Nehemiah chapter 3, and um, 
It's going to be just beautiful to hear how I read these names so accurately. Chapter 3. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zachar the son of Imri built. The sons of Hassaneah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam the son of Barakiah, the son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Whoa. Uh, that's as far as we're going to read today. But I did a great job pronouncing those names, wouldn't you agree? <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> if you go to, um, if you download Uversion, the Bible app, you can listen to the Bible. And that was regular speed, but normally, like I played a little faster, um, I had to slow it down just so, uh, for sake of demonstration with you. But reading speed for me is about one and a quarter. Uh, but I would encourage you to download that, and in your car you can listen to the Word. You know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Have you heard that before? And you and I should learn rather than, and listen, I'm a former metal rocker. I played lead guitar in 80s metal bands. Okay, I'm all, but maybe, oh man, I hate to say it now because I got you wound up. But maybe instead of listening to that, you know, jamming 80s tunes on your way into work, it might set the tone for your day just to dig into the Word in the way you're listening. Um, and so I just encourage you in, I, I believe there's something really remarkable God is doing in this hour of the church in activating His people by their willingness just to dig into Scripture. I don't want to just read past verses. We're going to pray through some verses uh, in just a bit. But I really think there's something significant in this particular hour. You may have noticed that last portion of Scripture there, uh, verse 5, and it said uh, the Tekoites, yeah, that group, the T people repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Kevin Nietzsche caught this uh, when we first started this book, and he came and asked me about it. And in my abundance of wisdom, I said, I have no idea, but I'll look into it. Um, and basically what you have are these people that were really um, important in their groups and um, they didn't stoop to serve in, you know, different translations say it a different way, but their Lord or those that were kind of leading the charge and what needed to be done. These were affluent people of influence. They were likely involved in political endeavors, administrative duties, managing estates, things that were really significant particularly in the eyes of society. And uh, that basically, we were too busy with more important things than we had time to get involved in building the work of the Lord. Now, what we're doing is we're looking at this rebuilding revelation that God has stirred in our hearts to explore and pursue with the understanding there's a parallel to the modern-day church and the rebuilding that needed to be done in the book of Nehemiah. And so I want us to see this with some clarity because the world that you and I live in today is a very busy, busy world. Would you agree? And I believe in the modern day church, people just find themselves too busy to really devote themselves to establishing the work of the Lord. 
And it's exactly what we're seeing here because we read about this and it's like, oh yeah, they shouldn't have done that. But I mean, we really need to allow things sometimes to land on us. Your work and your being involved in the work of the Lord is a really important part, not just for our generation, but for generations to come as we establish the church family that God's called us to in strength relationally, theologically, and in every way so that the next generation will be awakened to an even greater pursuit and a deeper understanding and true revelation of who Jesus really is. So the church of our day seems to be distracted. And in fact, uh, many parents aren't leading the charge in helping their children understand the value of devoting their energy and resource to doing the work of God. Now, just walk this out with me. Uh, because we, again, just the idea of if we can just get to church. Jesus didn't die so you could merely go to church. Can I just tell you? Like Jesus didn't die on a cross so you could merely find your way into going church, especially, you know, even when it's just convenient or other things come up, just unable to make it. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died so you'd be awakened to the eternal purposes of God and you would impart that pursuit in the heart of the next generation and somehow we will grow stronger and stronger and stronger as generational faith is imparted and the baton is handed one generation to the next in Jesus' mighty name. I sense the Holy Spirit right now just releasing something of faith legacy in this room. Will you receive that over your life and over your children and over your children's children? Come on. They're waking up to the purposes of God in a deeper way. Just coming together, we start to get the sense of what God is up to in a more meaningful way than if we're just seeking God alone and very important to seek the Lord alone. It's also important never to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, the gathering for the true work of the Lord that he wants to awaken within all of our hearts as we walk this out. A lot of, a lot of people have the idea, if I can just get um, my children under the right leaders in kids ministry or youth ministry, if I can just get somebody serving them right, then they'll be like Jesus. But Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So if you really want your children to be like Jesus, lead them in getting involved and serving in some way. Like arm in arm, serving the purposes of God in every direction of your life. Uh, I think that was one of our phrases, sorry I'm kind of lost in all of it. But if you want to help your children be more like Jesus, then be a family that serves together. And there are a lot of things that need to be done in the kingdom. Have you, have you read through this and you've read all these different gates? Uh, let me just ask this question. How many of you in this room have ever served nursery duty in the church? Just raise your hand, nursery duty. Oh, wow. Hold them up there high. Would you look around and see this? We just want to say a special thank you because, yeah, let's first say we appreciate I was reading about these different gates, and I found one gate in there called the dung gate. And I just thought to myself, that's got to be the diaper-changing gate or something in the modern-day church world. So thank you for serving in the nursery. That's an abundance of people who've done that. A variety of things that we read about in the progression of this chapter, a lot of different skill sets required to get there. And, and again, everybody just finding their way into doing their job, doing what God's called them to do. I, I'm not just talking about finding your role at the church, by the way. 
going to come out that way a lot because that is part of what we do. But it's broader than that, and I'll get to that, <clears throat> so, so hang with me as we look at this. But as far as the work of the Lord that we're called to together as a family, uh, these nobles that refuse to serve, when you read on down the chapter, like to verse 27, what you find is actually uh, the, the, the ordinary people surrounding these nobles had to do double duty to make up for all the work that they didn't do. And they got it done. They made it happen. And I just want to encourage you to know, sometimes we find ourselves working and wondering, does anybody know? Does anybody care? Is anybody else pulling a load? And, am I having to, and I just want you to know, God knows, God cares, and there's not anything you've ever done to serve the purposes or the heart of God that he's not fully, absolutely aware of. And that's why we read a chapter in the Bible where everybody's name, these unnamed people that did unknown tasks did not remain unnamed and unknown. The sacred text of Scripture took the time to name them and make their work known to let us know you are known and your work is known by the God in heaven who knows everything you've ever done to serve the heart of Jesus. It's a beautiful reality when you really stop and see this from that uh, particular perspective. These were regular people working regular jobs, putting in regular days, coming together to do a great work for the glory of the Lord. Does that sound like anybody you know? If you are a regular person today, just give me an amen. I mean, it's like we feel like we have to do something spectacular for the Lord. He just wants to use whatever you put in his hand. Have you heard this story about this little boy who had five loaves and two fish and like something crazy awesome happened with it? And, and that's a great demonstration in the Bible that it doesn't take much to give God to work with for him to do amazing things. And you just kind of take your ordinary lunch, whatever that is, and then you entrust that to his care. And I like to say, he's the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed when we give him anything we have to work with, the kingdom of God begins to expand. So what do you have to offer the Lord? Stop disqualifying your efforts. Stop disqualifying your gifts. Be engaged in what it is the Lord is calling you to. And in this particular day, it was kind of wild, but there was no worship taking place. There was no teaching of the word, no gathering, because the walls were broken down. And everything, just, I don't want to rattle through this. I want you to really capture the essence of this. It is really important. Everything, the walls were broken down. The church, the work of God couldn't uh, facilitate, expand, flourish in the earth. There was no reading or teaching of the Word. How many of you know the enemy is always attacking the, the reading of the Word or the reality of God's Word? Did God really say? The first question given uh, in the Garden of Eden, questioning the Word of God. The attack always is levied against the Word of God. And the walls were broken down so the Word could not be read. And what we're going to find out is when the walls are restored, guess what happens? The people return to the reading of the Word of God and the worship of the Lord. It's beautiful flourishing that begins to take place. But everything in this moment is hinging on God's people doing the good work God had called them to do from the beginning of time. And I, I just want you to think about, again, the parallels 
Lord, I thank you that you're speaking to our hearts right now, and may we just be cooperative to what you're desiring to say. Uh, help me not to construct message ideas. Lord, we just want to focus in and cooperate with the conversational relationship of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. How many of you know I'm a young man? It's all relative, isn't it? Uh, but at my age, I'll be 56 this year. At my age, I don't want to devote the next couple of decades holding together the declining church as best I possibly can. I don't want that for you. I certainly don't want that for our kids. And the restoration of what God was desiring to do in that hour and the restoration of what God is desiring to do in this hour is hinging upon our willingness to discover, explore, experience, and express the work of God that He has purposed for each of our lives from the very beginning of time. So I want to point out Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is a very famous portion of Scripture, only I'm reading the verse after the famous portion of Scripture. I'll point to the famous in a moment on purpose, but notice this, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Why were you created in Christ Jesus? To do good works. How many of you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works? Every one of us. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is an amazing verse of Scripture. How many of you have ever heard, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast? You've heard that verse before, right? That's actually right before this verse. I find it so intriguing that the verse that says you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, the very verse we use to, you know, say I'm not going to be involved in works is followed by the verse that says you need to be involved in works. Like you're created by God to do good work. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith, but you're created by God to do good works. And what you really need to understand, the Bible's very clear about this, there are two judgments in the last day. <laughs> One judgment is the judgment of salvation. And in that judgment, you cannot say works. You can only say grace. Only through the blood of Jesus are you going to be able to stand before God, fully pleasing to Him. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you serve His heart today. Just real loud, amen. amen. <laughs> That's the Christian base of people who understand we're saved by grace through faith. But there's also this wood, hay, stubble, fire, burning, works, judgment that the Bible talks about. And your works are going to be judged. Do you understand? Like your work, you, you're, you're, if you're like these nobles and you say, well, I was just too busy managing estates. I was involved in political endeavors and I, I just had all this other stuff going. I couldn't really be about the work of the Lord. Then you're going to stand before God Almighty in the scope of eternity and give an account for not having the work he created for you to do from the beginning of the world. This is huge. 
And you need to be pastored well into a place of great maturity to position yourself before you stand on that day for both of those judgments. Because in one, you can't claim works, and in the other, you can't claim grace. You're going to have to understand that God's called you to be involved and engaged in releasing something of God's kingdom in the earth. Ministry to the Lord in this chapter 3 book of Nehemiah was digging holes, setting posts, fortifying walls, hanging gates. It doesn't look very spiritual, but let me assure you it was extremely spiritual, utterly necessary for God's kingdom to invade the earth. God's people had to take their place and do what God had equipped and gifted them to do. Your work is really important. And any work you do to perpetuate the work of God in the earth is sacred and spiritual and special to God. What you do, you do heartily as unto the Lord. Now I want you to to just think about the life of Jesus for a moment. We, We think of the life of Jesus and we think he healed the sick, he walked on water, he fed 5,000, he cast out demons. We think about all these powerful moments in Jesus' life. God Almighty came, spent 33 years on earth. And do you understand 30 of Jesus' 33 years on this earth, roughly 90% of his life, was spent working, swinging a hammer, learning the trade to become a carpenter, (laughs) being where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be, having a right heart and attitude about giving himself fully to that which he had been assigned to do, learning to interact with God the Father in the way he dealt with frustrations like you and me in our everyday work. This was so important because it was a part of preparation for Jesus to then be used mightily by God in these minimally three years after all this year of just faithfully showing up, ordinary aspect, nobody even knew. He wasn't trying to tell everybody, hey, I'm God, wait till you see what I'm going to do. He just showed up, he was faithful. I want to encourage you, show up, be faithful, go to work early, stay late, do what it takes to get the job done, be a great example. Everybody around you sees the faithfulness going on in your life, and they're trying to figure out, why are you so faithful? And it's because your boss isn't human. Your boss is watching all the time right there affirming every step of the way you're working as unto the Lord this is your work God shows up to earth and spends 90% of his life going to work loving, serving, giving sacrificially as his way of life I, I believe the world needs great preachers who understand what it is to spend time in the Lord and carry the presence of God and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Believe in the Word of God and follow the Ten Commandments as a way of life and morality and all of that. I think the world needs great preachers like that. I think the world needs great plumbers like that. I think the world needs great mechanics like that. I think the world needs great roofers like that. I think the world needs great accountants like that. I can count on you. The moral fiber of your life is coming from something more than just what this world, I mean, you're literally doing what God's called you to do by the Spirit of God that's alive within you. Everywhere you go, you bring God's presence to real life. Have you heard that before? This is the call of God on all of our lives. 
What you do is so important in the way God is glorified in the earth. And that's why Nehemiah chapter 3 takes the time to name these people who are going to work, serving God's heart in an ordinary way, but in a very powerful, powerful way. Don't skip the ordinary days when you're reading your Bible or it'll, it'll confuse you. And I, I thought this was really interesting. I, I want you to, to think with me for a moment. I've had people come to me before and say, I want us to be the church of the book of Acts. And, and I want to just say, I want us to be the church of the book of Acts. But I want you to think about the church of the book of Acts with me for a moment because powerful things happen in the church of the book of Acts. But in the same way, when you think about Jesus' life, you think of all the highlight accent moments. You don't think about all the ordinary days. If you look at the book of Acts, what you'll find is 28 chapters span over 30 years, and we read about 14 miracles in the book of Acts. Outrageous, amazing, wonderful miracles. But the math is 700 ordinary days for every miracle that you see. I mean, this is, this is not something that I hear talked about a lot in the church world because it doesn't sell really well. You know, it, it sells better for me to come up here and give you the highlight story, the moment of this is why we do what we do. I want you to do it with all you are. And, and you know, this person, that, that happened, this happened. Crazy things are happening and ordinary things are happening most of the time. You need to understand that. Getting up, seeking God, spending time in his presence, learning to hear his voice, going to work, loving your spouse, loving your family, loving your children. Everywhere you go, you're practicing his presence because everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. That's just who we are. That's just what we do. We're the sons and daughters of God who carry his presence every single day in every single way in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come and uh, turn with me. I want to read one final portion of Scripture. Isn't it fun just serving the Lord and growing spiritually in Him? Don't you just enjoy the transaction of heaven in our heart? I mean, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm growing in this as a Christian. I'm growing in this as a pastor. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out where was I, you know, when the Lord was wanting to do all this stuff before, and I just wasn't, I don't know, I just wasn't in tune with it. And I guess, you know, waves of grace and seasons and so forth, but they, what I'm experiencing right now is so different than what I knew five years ago even as a pastor. I want to grow in that more. Like I'm speaking, and all of a sudden I feel a sense of the grace lifting, and I just kind of turn away from that. Uh, other times I'm speaking, I feel the grace just kind of coming down, and I just kind of press into that. When I'm unsure of it, I just kind of stop and look at you, and you look at me, and we're all wondering what we're doing. And then if I'm still not sure, I just pray for a moment. You know, it's just the real deal, walking with Jesus. This is the way it ought to be in your everyday life. This is how you're supposed to lead the board meeting that you lead. This is how you're supposed to no negotiate the contract that you negotiate like spirit-led, normal, ordinary, everyday people walking in the extraordinary presence of God as their way of life. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Such a great verse about everything we're talking about. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not serving your company. You're not serving your boss. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ when you do the work of God that's been assigned to your life in everything that he's called you to. What makes your work valuable? What makes your work meaningful? Is not what you are doing as much as who you are doing it for. And when you get this right, God is at work in the midst of anything we place our hand to in this life. So I'd like to invite you. As a church family, I'd like to invite you. Join us on this journey. Let's discover what God desires. Let's do the work of the Lord in the way we gather. And let's do the work of the Lord in the way we go. All of it's important. If you've not discovered your place, maybe the dung gate's not actually for you. Uh, But if you've not discovered your place and you say, I'd like to be involved. One of the gates surely will fit me. I'll hang a gate. I'll dig a whole post. You know, maybe that's tech, whatever it is. Then just fill out the connect card and let us know you want to have a conversation and we'll reach out and let's get everybody involved instead of just having that group of nobles that say, I'm just too busy to be involved in the work of the Lord. And there's something about serving with your family in the, in the house of the Lord, in the gathering of God's family that really does help our kids get it. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So I encourage you as we just kind of step into this next season, really sensing what the Lord's saying. I'm going to ask you your action point. You know, we do, I, I keep saying the phrase today, but we bring God's presence to real life. Like your job is lucky to have you there. I don't know if you realize that. Your neighborhood is blessed that you're in that neighborhood, your apartment, wherever you live, because you bring God's presence to real life. And so every week that's what we want to do is take an action point out of what we've been um, hearing and kind of gathering around. So your God's presence to real life action point this week as we're in this study together in Nehemiah. Just read two chapters of Nehemiah every day. Listen to it on your app if you want to do that. But read two chapters each day asking God for wisdom for all of us, not just for you, but for all of us to have wisdom to see the sacred work of our lives in everyday ordinary activities. I felt like the Lord was saying to me um, today just to give a little bit of room in this moment. You know, let me make sure we all understand. (laughs) Part of what we do is we come together, we worship, we break bread in the Word. Sometimes we'll have communion together as a family. Always communion is at the back of the center section available for you. After we've broken bread in the Word, then we just take moments like this and we, we take what God's awakening and we just give it back to Him in worship. You've, you've received. If you've received today, say amen. But, but let's don't just be devoted to the receiving part. What we're going to do now in a few moments is we're going to give. We're going to give back. In a place of worship, we're going to get, we've received, but then we want to just be in a place of worship and, and we're going to sing just for a few moments and give back to the Lord and just in thanks, just worship the Lord our God. But I felt like the Lord was saying before we did that today, I want to just give you a couple of minutes to encounter him. Like, I've been talking to you for about half an hour. 
What is it that the Lord is saying to you? In all of this, what are you hearing the Lord say? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Somebody ask, just don't distract anybody around you. Just close your eyes. Open your heart. I'm just going to leave you alone for a few moments. And in the what may feel a little like the awkwardness of silence, you have to understand that's the place God works the best. It's a still, small voice speaking. This is the way. Walk you in it. So just listen. What is it? Here's the question. What is it you're walking away with today that you're going to apply? Just let the Lord help illuminate that just for a few moments before we step away from this moment. Let me just say you need more time than this would you agree like some of you hear the sound of my voice you're like oh you're interrupting you need more time than this make room this week for that space I'm gonna ask our uh, prayer teams if they'll make their way up on the sides let's all stand and this is that opportunity we have as a church family not to say well I got what I got now I'm out of here I want to ask you, give something back to the Lord in a place of worship. This might be a moment you'd actually take that Connect card and go put it in a giving station as an act of worship. <laughs> and you say, I want to find my, my place you know, in regard to the gathering of the family. Whatever it looks like for you, we're going to take just a few moments and we're going to just enter into a place of expressing our worship before we're dismissed and then we'll be commissioned. And, and listen, how many of you believe our worship actually does something in the spirit realm? Like it really does. Like Paul and Silas were worshiping and the foundations were shaken and chains were broken and like people woke up, spiritually speaking. So listen, listen. Tonight, we're going to gather in this place and we're going to worship and foundations are going to be shaken and chains are going to be broken. We want to pray over the atmosphere of our community and our worship is significant to that. That's why the water uh, baptism tank is up here. We're going to have people being baptized. It's going to be a great celebration. So I would encourage you to make your way uh, back at 6 o'clock this evening. 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock? That's, that's right, 6 o'clock. Out of the mouth of two witnesses. Come on, let's press in and just worship the Lord. <laughs> 